0: Hey, welcome back. It's the pastor's Bible study here at Desert Foothills. Pastor Mark and Pastor Jeremy, we're with you here in the book of Mark. We're going to finish chapter 14 today, uh, starting in verse 27, and all the way to the end. Yeah. As we uh, talked about last time, we are in the Holy Week. This is the Passion of the Christ. This is uh, at the Lord's Supper, last uh, class, last Bible study. Uh, Today we'll get into his... uh, Going into the Gethsemane, Peter uh, gets is told that he's going to deny him, and he does. Trial before the Sanhedrin, and so some really, I don't know. You think of Lent, you think of just kind of somber scriptures in the Bible, but this is the means by which God saved us. This is Hmm. uh, all these bad things that happened to Jesus are what we deserve, and it's sad uh, that it had to happen, uh, but it's. Uh, you know, we're very thankful that Jesus did this in our place uh, to God's punishment for us. So we will jump in to uh, Mark 14, verse 27 from the NIV translation. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's in Zechariah 13:7, uh, a prophet from the Old Testament. It's coming to fulfillment right now. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. And you can, I can imagine just kind of a smirk on Jesus' face. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today. Yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Uh, But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And of course, all the other, you know, the disciples, all of them said the same. So Jesus is uh, telling them that uh, he's going to have to do this alone. And uh, of course, all his disciples, Palm Sunday wasn't that long ago in their memories, just a few days. And uh, they're excited. They're exuberant. They're finally going to the capital to. I mean, they just sense this is the moment the Messiah is going to do his thing. They just don't quite understand what his thing is going
1: to be. Yeah, and I find that very interesting. At the end, there, as you've noted, where it says all the others say the the same you know, it's, uh, they're all on board. Peter gets like a bad rap here, right? That he's the one that's denying Jesus. But, you know, in the end moments, we see so many people running for him. And of course they all do have the best intentions, but when it gets down to it, you know, that selfish state of mind really takes over all of them. And doesn't that happen with us too? I mean, all of us say, you know, Jesus is my savior. Yeah, I would never disown you, Jesus. I would never turn my back on you. But then our day goes about just its normal routine, even. And look what happens when we get hard pressed or abandoned. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. When you think about just how exciting I feel on Palm Sunday, uh, you know, right after church or Easter service. Right after that, it's like wow! You know, the whole church is full, and all the singing. And uh, you walk out. Whoo! I'm so proud of Jesus. I'd never disown him. And yeah, it's easy. It's easy to slip back into sin. Always be on guard.
1: All right, let's move on to the next verse there, the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, uh, verse 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. (laughs) Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look to the son of man. Look, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, a lot in this area here uh, that really stands out to me, you know, first we see Jesus in this time setting, I think, a really good example for us, just even when he is so hard pressed that he is relying upon the father, you know, in this state of humility of being able to go to God and just be, I mean, it talks about him just being overwhelmed, uh, even to the point of death, that he just, he doesn't even know what to do. And it shows the pressure that's upon Christ, and what he's feeling during this time. I mean, so much so he even asks God, if there's anything that you can do to have this cup taken from me or to not have this crucifixion performed, you know, would that please happen? You know, take this cup from me. But then he puts in those very special words that I think are uh, an example for us and to be mimicked in our prayer, not what I will, but your will be done, which I think is a, a huge testament to us there. Right.
0: I think that one point there about Jesus's prayer, I know I get some of the popular questions on that or just kind of what, what's going on there what is that all about i don't think it's uh i don't think it's any theological uh crisis or anything i think it it shows the humanity
1: of jesus 100 percent human uh, yeah but a human wants to go through that kind of pain yeah if he can die why can't he also feel sorrow or f- feel this emotional turmoil yeah yeah and then uh interestingly enough his disciples right Uh, over and over again they're just they're just falling asleep and Jesus calls them out. we might think to ourselves you know I can't believe this like are these guys falling asleep but I don't know for anybody out there that's watching can you think of a time when you were just I mean just exhausted beyond belief and maybe somebody was trying to talk to you and you could barely stay awake Uh, not going to make any jokes about Pastor Mark's sermons on Sunday or anything like that you know just sitting there in the pew you know But think about how exhausted you've been at times. I mean, I remember the night that my daughter was born and first being able to be woken up by my wife and saying, we got to go to the hospital and then going to the hospital and being awake so long. And then, you know, going through that time of uh, uh, just waiting for the baby to come and finally that happening and just seriously, I wasn't even doing any of the heavy lifting that day but really? thinking about just how what? exhausted I was, yeah. thinking about how exhausted I was, even when my daughter was born and just wanting to spend time with her, just being like so tired that day because it had just been literally almost a couple of days had now gone by when I had not, because of my schedule, gotten any good rest. And even though it was such an exciting moment in my life, I just remember just being just completely exhausted, much less, you know, poor Rachel doing the exact same thing and her going through that time. It's just a tiring. And so the disciples, you know, have been on this this whirlwind trip going from place to place and think about it. They're just sitting there at night and I'm sure that they, that they are tired. Not that that gives them this excuse to be off the hook, but you know, they are falling asleep as Jesus leaves them. But man, isn't there some big correlation to us in this passage too, even in Jesus words, you know, when he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak same thing, you know, aren't we so willing to be able to uh, grow in our relationship with Christ, but man, when we as individuals become idle or are are not keeping up with staying in contact with our Lord, aren't those the times that we succumb most to temptation or that we, you know, to make a parallel example, fall asleep in our faith walk and we're not as connected with God. So I think this is a, a call out to all of us as Christians, you know, what does our life look like? You know, spiritually, do we tend to fall asleep here and there and forget Christ, you know, that it's not something that we're doing and we're not being connected to him. Yeah. I think it's a good application
0: for us. Just to remember that. um, Yeah. Well, even when you are excited after leaving church on Sunday or whatever the situation is in your life, having a new baby, what a great gift from god you know you're you're so focused on what a blessing and what a responsibility how awe inspiring is this God's god has given me this but still the flesh or the body is is weak weaker yeah than, yeah and it's always a battle to push through that all right good all right next next section there verse 43 to 52 just as he was speaking judas one of the 12 appeared With him was a crowd, uh, yeah, a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, all those leaders. Now the betrayer, he's already got a a nickname now, Mm -hmm. uh, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judah said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have to come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts. You did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled and then everyone deserted him and fled. Here's verse 51. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And so that's a little footnote we talked about at the very int- uh, intro to the book. The author of the uh, Gospel of Mark, he's the only one that includes that little tidbit
1: of detail. In the, Just a random detail, yeah.
0: And the reason may be because he that was him he was the young man we know he's younger than uh jesus the disciples and uh who else would know about that with a crowd of people there and (laughs) i'm sure that was a memorable night yeah uh but uh judas judas the betrayer here he is uh jesus had given him i'll say a chance uh at the last supper um to, to resist the devil so he would flee uh, from Judas, but uh, he carried it out. Uh, with the last two sections, I was looking at the garden and the arrest that happens in the garden, of course. So you kind of got the prayer and then this arrest uh, and these two sections we just read. And I was looking at how uh, Jesus succeeded and how the disciples just failed uh, miserably. Um even though Jesus's soul was sorrowful, uh, he said, well, even, even to the point of death, I mean, that's, a, that's not just a figure of speech. It's, a, it's a, uh, communicating just, again, how, how much emotional pain he was in. And yet he was still able to resign himself to God's will, his Father's will, let, let your will be done. And then you contrast that. So Jesus is praying. Another gospel records he has so much stress that even uh, blood was coming out of his sweat pores. Uh, Contrast that uh, with how the disciples acted um, where they were asked to pray for God's strength uh, for Jesus, that uh, God would give Jesus the resolve that he needed. And they... Probably both. They probably didn't understand Jesus' mission still at, at this point. Mm. Uh, but either way, they certainly didn't exercise their uh, ability to pray. Uh, Jesus had already taught them to pray and how to pray. And uh, in the garden, he said, please pray with me right now. This is when I need your prayers more than any other time. Uh, I need you to pray right now. And they failed uh, miserably. Uh, and then the rest Happens immediately after that. Judas pops up out of the trees or something, and with all these guards with torches and pitchforks, so to speak. And uh, Judas, of course, as one of the disciples, got to include him in there with the failures, right? Betrays him with a kiss. But then you've got Peter, who is still kind of thinking about this kingdom in a in a physical sense, like an outward reality. He uses a sword. Oh, I guess Mark doesn't mention that as Peter. It's a, again, another gospel tells us Peter's the one that drew his sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's still thinking this is some kind of a physical kingdom. It's time for combat, whatever, take over the throne, whatever he has in his mind. Uh, and he just still has no idea that Jesus is going to win the kingdom through his, his passion, his suffering, and his death. And then everybody deserts him. I mean, this had to be an hour, I don't know, more than minutes, maybe an hour after Jesus just said those words. Yeah. He quoted Zechariah the prophet, uh, we'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And it just happened, I mean, that fast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess uh, the big point I think about all of that is all of the things that those disciples learned that night. Uh, they learned that Jesus had won their salvation all by himself. I mean, they didn't do anything to help them. Uh, and so they looked to Jesus alone for their salvation. They taught others uh, that it was Jesus and Jesus alone that would forgive them and save them, open the doors of heaven to them. Because, again, they didn't, they didn't do anything. Help him. They were completely useless to him at the, uh, the uh, climax of his earthly ministry, the whole point of his coming to earth. They were gone. And I would hope, I would imagine, uh, that taught them humility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, they didn't take any pride in their salvation. Uh, it probably taught them to be uh, patient. You know, if you think about the years and the decades as they go out and teach, tell the story of Jesus, they're going to encounter people who are going to be slow to kind of pick it up, Uh, you know, encounter people, of course, that resist them, could even say betray them. So they go out with a message and what can they say? except that's how I, that's how I acted actually when the events were happening. (laughs) Uh, So For our salvation for evangelism and sharing the gospel for everything we have to completely rely
1: on jesus you know as we've seen through most of this book uh religious leaders have been so reluctant to be able to actually capture jesus at the right time right they keep thinking of all these different ways to kill him to arrest him to go after him and we hear over and over again well they don't do that because the crowds were there or they don't do that because they don't know what the people think and they need to have their opinion. And we still see that theme even continued up into this moment where they come and they capture him basically, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus alludes to that, all this people show up with these clubs and everything. And he says, you know, I was with you guys every day. You know, you could have done this a couple of days ago. Why didn't you come and get me in the temple course? Basically, you know, you're still coming out in the middle of you know, the night here just to be able to take me away quietly and to be able to get this process going. And it's that point that everybody flees. And then we kind of continue with the story then of them taking Jesus uh, before the Sanhedrin. So verse 53, so they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests in the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. It's so unique. like They're, they're still yeah. trying to make this happen. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. They can't can't get their ducks in a row. Even people that are just making these statements, they can see right on their face. They do not add up. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days we'll build another not uh, made by man. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. It just continues. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. So,
0: yeah, great point. They made all of the false. Well, first, I guess they tried the truth. They said what Jesus had said or miracles he did. And they're like, okay, didn't break any laws there. Yeah. Yeah. Hits of people come in and make up stories, but like most, you know, not well rehearsed uh, lies, right? They all had a different, different story to tell. So that didn't, they didn't fit. Uh, But interesting, though, uh, it was the truth uh, that convicted him. It was no crime, uh, no crime against Rome or anything. Are you the Messiah? I am. I am. uh, and again, again, there's a, another contrast, I think, right? You have all of these people lying, 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 uh, trying to get Jesus convicted. And then they ask Jesus one question. He tells the absolute truth. And that's what pushes them over the edge, I guess.
1: I love the the answer to, at least in my mind, you know, in a, in, in a scriptural sense, I can't say like, yes, there's this huge connection but the two words that Jesus uses in the response are the same two words that God answers in the Old Testament when he calls Moses out. And, you know, Moses says, you know, yeah, but Lord, if I go before Pharaoh and say, you know, to, to let your people go, that you are going you know, to be the one who saves them from this slavery, who should I say sent them? And he says, you know, I am. And isn't that exactly what's happening here, right? Who's going to save us? from our condition of being enslaved by sin and needing to be set free. And Jesus uses those same two words and he says, I am in this New Testament format. Like I said, I don't think that I can say that they have this huge collaboration, but it is unique to be able to see uh, maybe, at least in my mind, this foreshadowing that happens so long beforehand with the chosen people of God wanting truly to be able to be our savior
0: yeah you gotta remember you know jesus is uh he's speaking hebrew or aramaic at at the trial he's he's gonna say actually yahweh i mean Mm. he's he's gonna speak that that's a great point that they didn't even want to say out loud he's not just like reading it from the verse he's saying Mm. that's me (laughs) yeah great point the one truth all right uh finish it up verses 66 to 72 While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. "'You also were with the Nazarene Jesus,' she said. But he denied it. "'I don't know or understand what you're talking about,' he said, and he went up into the entryway. When the uh, servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, Hey, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and
1: wept. Just mm. such a heart-shattering story, right? And uh, I can just hear that word in verse 72 there immediately. And I can just imagine the words have barely finished coming out of Peter's mouth, and he just hears that sound, and instantly he knows what oh, excuse me, what he's done. It's so rough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an important uh, point to realize when you see uh, after the resurrection, after the church uh, begins to spread the role that Peter plays, uh, the incredible evangelist he is in sharing the good news. Uh, So you can go from that far down and that much, uh, I don't know, more than useless to Jesus's mission, mission, but I mean almost a, an obstacle, right? When when he told Jesus, no, 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 uh, this is going to happen. This is one of the times that Jesus predicted is that Jesus said, "Get behind me, yeah, you're an obstacle at this point to me moving the mission forward, to uh, his forgiveness after Easter, restoration in the church and the body of Christ, and then as the role that he had the incredible role he had in sharing the gospel so no one is beyond god's grace and, and his forgiveness and i think it is important for all of us to acknowledge how far we have and how far we could uh, turn away from god uh, if only to remember the infinite love and the infinite forgiveness that he has for everyone, no matter where you are, what you've done, doesn't matter. God has already forgiven that sin; it's already been forgiven. It happened two thousand years ago. You don't have to do anything today. Uh, it's already
1: been paid for.
0: It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I think that actually puts the best—I'm not even say—spin on it. The best reality of how this story, you know, really concludes for us today because it really does share with us that even somebody like Peter, who was able to physically touch Jesus, to see his miracles, to watch him do all these things, and you still hear people in the world say, well, if I could only see God or hear God, or if he could perform this miracle, then I would believe. And we see somebody who sees all those things, but still faces that same aspect of denial, even when God Specifically tells him this is what's going to happen, and it does show how strong and serious sin is in our life, and how we can't just push that aside and just say it's it's no big deal. No, it really is, and it's something that's always after us. I mean, constantly pursuing us. But as you mentioned, Pastor Mark, there's someone who has pursued us so much more on our behalf that you know Jesus does all these things not for any benefit of his own, but only because he has us in mind. And truly you know this is who we are. We are the same individual who is you know gone and betrayed our our Lord or disowned him in different ways. And I hope that we do weep about that, but I hope that we also have, like you said, uh, the knowledge of knowing that this is why Christ comes. This is why we read through this entire story of passion to know of the love that Jesus has for us and what he has already one for you and I. Yeah, amen. Yep. Any closing comments before we wrap up with prayer? That's good. We got two more chapters. That's right.
0: End of Mark. All right.
1: right. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for this uh, story of love that you have shared uh, with so many in our world. And we ask, Lord, that it continues to be uh, just shared throughout uh, just every corner of our entire Uh, universe, wherever we may find ourselves, Lord, in our own community, within our own family, to be able to not only hear about, but uh, share about this great love that you have come to be able to give us. Uh, Lord, continue to be able to work your great uh, salvation inside of our hearts uh, to grow our faith and to strengthen us is a people who are united and connected to you, a God who seeks us out and finds us, uh, no matter what our scenario or where we are, how lost we think we may be, that you always find us, that you always redeem us. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Amen. All right, thanks everybody. Have a good week. All right, we'll see you.